Well, man, what a great morning so far at Living Church. The first service was packed. Worship has been amazing in both services. Thank you guys for coming out today. Uh, for all the ladies that came to the ladies' tea, thank you for being here. It looked like y'all were having a blast. Rachel came home smiling from ear to ear with all kinds of stories. God's doing great stuff in Living Kids and in Spark on Wednesday nights. Man, stuff is going great. And so we had an exciting week this week, exciting for me especially because we've been working and planning and praying and getting ready to put that big cross out front. And how many of you guys saw the cross when you pulled in today? It looks great. And so, yeah, so we put that in this last week. Last week they sent out uh, a big truck and they drilled a hole four feet wide and seven feet deep and filled it full of concrete and rebar and structural steel and all this stuff. And it had to set for a week. And then this last Tuesday brought out a big truck with a crane on it and they lifted the cross up and bolted the thing on. And man, it was such a cool moment, you know, to see this gigantic declaration to our community about what we believe, that we believe in the power of a risen Savior, amen? And so it was exciting. Once it went up, I've been getting text messages and emails and, you know, people commenting on social media uh, in our community, city leaders and business owners and just people that I've had the opportunity to rub elbows with over the last couple of years, excited. Now, those people don't know they're going to come to Living Church, but they're almost here, right? And so, man, it's so exciting. And so I've got to say a huge thank you uh, to Dan Banks. Dan's in the back. He waved everybody. Dan, thank you. He's on uh, our board of directors, and we launched Board of Elders and Board of Directors, and those men and women have been huge in supporting me and the team and the vision here over the last couple of months. And Dan works in an industry where he has a lot of contacts, and so Dan's one of those guys who's always got a buddy, you know? And so, so thanks to Dan and his investment and some of his relationships, that cross cost Living Church not one dollar. Isn't that amazing? And so not only is it a great declaration, but it's a blessing to us as a church. So Dan, thank you uh, for your investment in Living Church, but not only your investment, your example. You know, because a lot of times we think that only pastors are the ones that can be in ministry. But no matter what you do, maybe you work in structural steel for a living, no matter what you do, your vocation, your life experience, God can use to impact people's lives. So Dan, thank you for what you've done. We're so excited to see all that happens out of uh, us putting that cross up. You know, this uh, Palm Sunday is just a couple weeks away, so not next Sunday, but the next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and that's the second week of April. So that Sunday night, Palm Sunday night, we're going to have a, a dedication service for the cross. It's going to be a blast. You're not going to miss it. Sunday night, we're going to meet out there, out front, weather permitting, and we're going to worship together. We're going to talk about the power of the cross. We'll take communion together, and we'll dedicate that thing for the Lord's purpose. So please, mark it in your calendar, put it in your phone, tattoo yourself on your hand. I don't know what you got to do, but be here. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, as we talk about the power of the cross. So all the people, all the people. Last week, we talked about how the idea that all is all. Everyone say, all is all. All is all. All is not exclusive. All is not just a little piece or a portion, but that all is all. All isn't an exclusive term, and that Jesus, he loves all people. Last week, you had me up here singing, right? Jesus loves little children, all the little children of the world. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that he loves all people, even when they grow up and turn into horrible adults. And sometimes adults are the worst, y'all. But Jesus loves all people, no matter where they are in their relationship or in their life. And everything Jesus did throughout his entire life was for all people. All the miracles were for all people. Everything in the Bible is for all people. The fact that he rose again is for all different people. It's for all people in the world for everything that Jesus did. And while he was here, he did something else. He established the church. 
Jesus started it, he kicked off the church, and he built a place so that people would be able to come into and have a relationship not only with him, but each other. And so last Sunday we talked about the fact that the church should be the earthly expression of heaven. Amen? The church building, the community, the place that we are should be the earthly expression of heaven. You know, in heaven, there's not going to be a black heaven and a white heaven. There's not going to be a Hispanic heaven and an Asian heaven. There's not a rich heaven and a poor heaven. There's no segregation or uh, delineation in heaven. It's just one group of people that stand around and worship and glorify their heavenly father. And our belief is that here at Living Church, we want to reach all the people. And so we're talking about our job and our ability to engage in ministry and help reach all the people. But unfortunately, some of us have lost that love and feeling. We've, it's easy to lose the love and feeling to love all the people because you've been offended or frustrated or betrayed or we can become uh, judgmental towards groups of people and so we don't really love everybody the way that we should. And we asked a really heavy question last week. We said, how are you doing it loving your people? Because you see, before you can see a video about people halfway around the world and be brokenhearted for them, we have to love the people that God's put in our lives on a daily basis. Most of us would say that we love God. We love God because he's changed our lives. So we've loved God and we love people. We love God and we love our people, our friends, our family members, our coworkers, our neighbors. We love our people. So we love God and we love our people. We love God and we love our people. But if we love God and we love our people, then shouldn't we want to introduce the two? Shouldn't we want to introduce our creator, the one who saved us, to the people that we love? If we really love them and we really love him, then we should live a life where we would say, you know, it's not just about what I can receive, it's about what I can give. So last week we said that Easter is only 28 days away. And guess what? Beep, it's now 21 days away, y'all. Easter is 21 days away, three weeks. People from all over the place are going to wake up on a Sunday morning, and they're going to put on their Easter outfit, and they're going to come to church, and they're going to think that they're just checking off a religious box. But guess what's going to happen when they get here? They're going to meet a God who's alive. They're going to meet a God who loves them and who has a plan for their life. And where they think that they're just coming one time, they're actually stepping into an opportunity to have a healthy, thriving relationship with Jesus. But it starts with us. It starts with us not only loving God and loving them, but having the heart to introduce the two. You see, Jesus, he died to be our savior, but he lived to be our example. And we can get excited and praise God and jump around during worship because he's our savior. And we'd be thankful that he saved us from our sin and he saved us from an eternity in hell. But not only is Jesus our savior, he lived to be our example, amen? That everything that he did, he did it so that we could look back on the decisions he made and the words that he spoke and why and when he did them so that we could know how we are supposed to live today. So this morning I've got three points. They're really easy. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. You've got them on your phone. You can type them in there. If you're not taking notes, that's okay. Jesus loves you. All right, so point number one. Come on, help me out, somebody. Point number one is this. Jesus' love was expressed in how he, number one, saw people. Everyone say saw. And how he saw people and how he looked at people. He died to be our savior, but he lived to be our example, remember? So there's an example in how Jesus saw the people that are around him. You know, there was a time that Jesus was walking into a city in Luke chapter 7, and he saw a funeral procession coming by. And he saw people weeping and wailing and crying. And he saw a mother who had just lost her son. He's in the coffin being carried. 
And the Bible says this in Luke 7, verse 13. It says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. He had compassion for her. And so because he saw her, he then stopped what he was doing. He walked over, laid his hand on the coffin, and he raised her dead son back to life. He saw her. There was another time in Luke 13 where there was a lady who had been disabled for 18 years. The Bible says that she was bent over and unable to stand up. Scholars believe that she might have had scoliosis, that she had some issues that she couldn't straighten up. And for 18 years, she walked around disabled. But the Bible says that Jesus saw her. It says in Luke 13, 10, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, that he went over and he spoke life into a situation that she had no hope in. The miracle, it began with a look. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus saw 10 lepers, a mob of lepers. It's like the walking dead coming towards him, right? And instead of just seeing all the bad about them, he saw something more. He saw what their need was. You see, life change starts with a look. Life change in your friends and your family members and the people that you work with and your next door neighbor, their life change, it starts with you having the heart to look at them and not just look at their problem. You see, before Living Church can change one life, we have to see that life, right? We have to see that person. Now, Rachel, sometimes she can get a little frustrated with me because I fall into what is called work mode. So if you're like me, you understand what work mode is. Work mode is you're trying to accomplish something, you're trying to get something done, and so you don't care what's happening around you, you have focused vision and you are getting it done. Any other type A personalities understand what I'm talking about? And so here's what happens. I kind of put, put the blinders on and I have to get my job done. I have to get done what I'm doing and I can forget about the people that are around me. And so if I've ever walked past you quickly in the lobby, I'm sorry, I'm just being a selfish jerk, right? I apologize, I don't wanna be that way, I'm working on it. And so Rachel, she can say, Trustin, you're in work mode. You've gotta get out of work mode and see the people that are around us. And unfortunately, sometimes we can do the same thing spiritually. Is we can get focused on what God can give me and what God has blessings for me and about the answers to the questions we're asking and we, we keep on blinders and we don't see the people that are around us, but he, he died to be our savior, but he lived to be our example. And his example that he set was to see people. One of my favorite stories is in Luke 19. I preached on it a little over a year ago here at Living Church, so I just want to touch on it this morning. Luke 19, starting verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up. Everyone say, he looked up. Jesus looked up. He saw Zacchaeus. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Cook me some fajitas. I'm coming over for lunch. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down the tree and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Jesus is the joy bringer. Remember, he has some joy. But the people were displeased. There's always some haters. There's always somebody who wants to say something negative. And it says, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. So the people are grumbling against Jesus. So Jesus is walking on the street, and there's a little guy named Zacchaeus who's kind of a shady character, right? He's the original Slim Shady. And so Slim Shady, he had to stand up. And so Slim Shady, will you please stand up? So he climbed, some of y'all are like, what is he even talking about? 
you don't know. And so, so, so Slim Shady, he climbs the tree and he's sitting in the tree to try to see Jesus. Jesus walks by and saw him. Now, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people, right? He has went viral. Jesus is famous at the city. Everybody knows who Jesus is. But yet Jesus, with the chaos around him, he was able to take the blinders off and see Zacchaeus. And you see, we have to learn from his example. That no matter how busy we are, what's going on in life, we have to see the people that are around us. You see, and Jesus saw past the problems and to the person. He saw past the problems. You see all the haters? They're talking about how Zacchaeus is shady. He's not a good guy. This is not a good person. And Jesus is going to go to his house and eat fajitas? Are you serious? I don't know if that's what they ate in Jerusalem, but if I was there... That's what I mean for lunch, right? And so they're, they're frustrated about the decisions that Zacchaeus has made, and they're looking at the problem. But Jesus, we have to learn this lesson, y'all. Jesus, he looks past the problems and into the person. You know the woman whose son who had died? They've already had the funeral. He's already in the casket. That's a problem. But Jesus saw past the problem and into the brokenhearted Mother, the lady who was bent over for 18 years and couldn't stand up, when Jesus interacted with her, the Bible says that she was in the synagogue, that she was in the church, and it was the Sabbath day. And so because he's in the church, there are other religious leaders who have the spiritual authority. So Jesus shouldn't even do anything. And it's the Sabbath day. That's the problem. Because on the Sabbath day, you're not supposed to perform any kind of activity. But Jesus saw through the problem and into the person. And in our friends' lives, our family members' lives, we have to see past their problems. And who knows, family members got some problems every once in a while. And because we know their story, and because we know they're difficult, and we know why they're offended and why they're hurt, and we know why she's that way, and we know why he thinks like that, we can just put the blinders on and not pay attention. But the example that Jesus gave us is we have to see past the problems and into the person. Jesus had a mob of 10 lepers walking at him. Where everyone else would run across the street to get away, Jesus said, I want to see past their problems and into the person. We have to love people enough to see them. You see, life change starts with a look, but we have to be able to look past what we see. It's hard. I'm not saying this is easy stuff, but we have to look past the things that we see to love them enough to introduce them to the God that we love so much. It goes on in Luke 19. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. So Zacchaeus stands up at dinner, and this is what he says. He says, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responds, Salvation has came to this home today. You see, Zacchaeus called Jesus Lord. His whole life was changed only because Jesus looked up and saw him. Jesus didn't perform a miracle. Jesus didn't make Zacchaeus go from a, a short guy to 6'5", right? He, that'd been awesome. He, he didn't do that. Jesus didn't perform a miracle. All he did was see him. And sometimes all we have to do is see the people in life that are hurting, and life change can happen. But I said that this is one of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite portions of scripture in the Bible, not necessarily because of the story, but because of what Jesus says after Zacchaeus gives this little speech. Jesus, once Zacchaeus is done, Jesus stands and he says this to all of the sinners that are there with Zacchaeus and all of the religious leaders and his disciples. Jesus says in Luke 19.10, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus gives us his job description. He came to seek and save 
those who are lost. But the only way that you can seek something is if you're looking for it, right? right? Yeah. You ever lose your cell phone? You ever lose your keys? What do you do? You're searching all over the place. I'm flipping the couch over. I'm like climbing under the bed. I'm looking everywhere to try to find the thing that I've lost. The Bible says that Jesus, his heart, his purpose is to seek and save that which was lost. So what we have to do is we have to learn from his example and we have to live our life seeking those that are lost. My daughter Lillian uh, has recently learned how to play the game hide and go seek. Well, she's kind of learned how to play it. And so hide and go seek means daddy goes and hides, which I'm not a small guy, so it's not easy to just hide anywhere, right? And so I'm hiding in the house, and she's somewhere counting, and so she is supposed to count to 10. She usually makes it to three, and then she comes to find me. And when she finds me, she gets all excited because she's just found we're playing hide and go seek. And then she says, Daddy, it's my turn. And so I go and hide, and every time she hides in the place I just hid, so she doesn't really get it yet, so it's really easy to find her. But we at my house are always playing hide and go seek. And you see, we all know hide and go seek and we laugh, but it's a kid's game, right? right? But the truth is, is that a lot of times adults are still hiding. Adults are hiding from God. They're hiding from Jesus. They're hiding from other believers in their life. They're hiding from truth. But Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's our example. So what we shouldn't do is allow them to only hide, but we need to seek after them. So this morning I want to play a little game. We're all going to play hide and seek. So close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everybody, I, I can see you. I can see you looking at me. So close your eyes, and I want you to take your hand and put it over your eyes. Come on. I'm looking. I will call you out and throw my Bible at you. Okay. All right. Close your eyes. Oh, come on. Close your eyes. All right. Here we go. We're about to play hide and seek. One, two, three. Open your eyes. Now, I just disappeared. I'm, I'm like David Copperfield up in here. I'm a magician. Now, the only reason that I was able to hide is because you closed your eyes. So the only way that people can get outside of our vision is if we go through life with our eyes closed. So the reason I was able to hide in this closet on the left side of the stage, everyone look to your left, the reason I was able to hide in that closet, and you can't see me, is because you closed your eyes. But you see, if we would just go through life intentionally with our eyes open, then we could see the people that God has placed in front of us to reach. Because see, we may think, we may think that, that they're somewhere totally else. We may think that they're on the other side. But if we would just simply open our eyes, then the people around us wouldn't be able to hide. Please, Easter is 21 days away. In 21 days, everybody and their mom is willing to go to church and have an experience with God. The question is, are we willing to see them? You know, the Bible says in John 4, 35, it says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. And I believe with everything in, in me that our surrounding area, that the community around us is ripe for the harvest. The question is, will we be willing to open our eyes and see the people? Now, I need you to pray I don't fall off this ladder while I'm coming down. Now, here's what we need to know. The Bible tells us that we all live inside an earthly tent, that our body of flesh is an earthly tent, and that someday our body is going to pass away, but that inside this earthly tent is our soul, and our soul, it lasts forever. And so what we have to do is we have to learn to see past the earthly tent and see into the soul of people that need God, because if we can see past their problems into the person, 
Every miracle starts with us simply seeing them. Point number two, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus loved people enough to stop. Jesus stopped for people. Everyone say stop. He stopped for people. So he saw them in his business. He saw them in everything he had going on, but he stopped. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says this. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. So again, Jesus is surrounded by a mob. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. He stopped. He saw him and didn't pass him by, but he stopped. This is a powerful scripture, not only because he stopped, but once you understand where he's going, it speaks to the power. So this is Mark chapter 10. He had just left Jericho. He's headed to Jerusalem. But if you look in your Bible in Mark chapter 11, you know how at the top of chapters they have like the little uh, subheading to talk about what the chapter's talking about? In your Bible, verse, chapter 11 would say the triumphal entry. So the triumphal entry is Palm Sunday, is when Jesus is riding on the donkey, dun, 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 right, and Jesus is riding on the donkey, and people are taking palm branches and throwing them down the street, guys are taking off their coats, singing Hosanna, Hosanna. So Jesus is riding on a donkey into Jerusalem to be betrayed, uh, captured, crucified, and murdered. So the whole reason that Jesus came to earth, he's about to do. This is the most important season of his life. Mark chapter 11, triumphal entry. Mark chapter 10, verse 49. It's the end of chapter 10. Jesus is on his way to do the very most important thing he's ever done, but he stops long enough to do the most important thing that he could do, and that was to see someone and to stop for them. And I know we're busy. I know we got stuff to do. I know we got places to go and people to see, and I know that time is money. I know all those things. But the thing that is most important are the people that are around us. The people that we live life with, our friends, our family members, our coworkers, our, our neighbors, people that we, we went to high school with years ago and have like a, a connection with that we might not have seen in a decade, but for some reason we still have influence in their life. Like all of these people, what we're called to do is follow Jesus' example in his life and to stop for some of these people. We have to slow down because something, can amazing, something amazing can happen when we stop. The Bible goes on, in verse 49, it says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked him. My rabbi, that means teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and followed Jesus down the road. You see, the healing happened because he halted, because Jesus stopped, because he wasn't too busy and preoccupied with where he was going and the thing he wanted to accomplish. He brought life change to a man who couldn't do anything for him. Bartimaeus was a beggar. Sometimes in life, it's easy to stop for people that can do something for us, right? Like, oh, well, this is a person of influence. This is a person of prestige and power, so I'll stop 
to connect with them. But the truth is a soul is a soul. A person is a person that Jesus loves all the people. And because he loves all the people, we need to follow his example and not just run to talk to the kings and the rulers of the land, but to be willing to love the blind beggar on the street enough to stop for just a minute. Because when we stop, life change can happen for that person. You see, we have to take a cue from my girl, Diana Ross in the Supremes. You know what Diana Ross said? She says, stop in the name of love. What? Before you break my heart, think it over. And so Diana Ross, she had it right. She was preaching that we need to stop in the name of love. But we're too busy in the name of selfishness. Come on, this is preach somebody. We're so busy in selfishness that we won't stop in love. And so the reason I'm preaching this morning is so that you would think it over. That we would think over how we're living. That we would think over what we're doing so that we can love the people that God has placed in our surroundings. We have to intentionally stop to reach people. Point number three is this. So he saw, he stopped. Number three, Jesus' love was expressed in how he spoke to people and how he spoke to them in the words that he said. Jesus spoke to all kinds of situations. He spoke to people that were far from him. He spoke to people that had a negative outlook of who he was. Jesus spoke to all different people. And when Jesus spoke, his words produced change, right? His words produced change. He spoke to blind Bartimaeus who couldn't see and his eyes were opened. Jesus spoke to people who had a deafness and their ears were open. He spoke to a man with a withered hand and his hand became strong. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how the, they were out fishing and they had no fish in their nets. So Jesus spoke to it and they had so many fish, their boat was about to sink, right? Jesus spoke to situations and things changed. Jesus spoke to a raging storm and said, peace be still, and it calmed down. Jesus being crucified on the cross, and he spoke to a sinner on the cross next to him that you will be with me today in paradise, and that man's destiny was changed because of Jesus' words. But the reason that his words were powerful was because he was willing to speak them. You see, unspoken words have no power. Unspoken, we can have all the head knowledge. We can even have it in our heart to want to be a good person and make a difference and love people. But unspoken words don't make a difference. If my son Titus was running towards the street into traffic, I wouldn't think stop. I would scream stop. When I asked my wife to marry me, I didn't get down on one knee and just awkwardly look at her, right? <laughs> I said, will you marry me? You see, there's no power in unspoken words. If I felt like the Lord was speaking something to me and I had a great sermon, but I never spoke it out, it wouldn't create edification within the body. Unspoken words don't have any power. So what we have to do is we have to see people, we have to stop long enough to have an interaction with them, and then we have to speak the words that God has spoken to us. You see, but we can say, but man, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. Just tell them your story. You don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to bust out your Bible. The Bible calls us a witness, that all we are is a witness to the thing that God's done in our life. And so this week, 21 days before Easter, just tell people your story. Tell them where you were, when you met God, and what your life is like now. And it's okay to not have all the answers. A lot of times we don't witness, we don't talk to people about God because we're nervous they're gonna ask us a question we don't know the answer to. You know what? That's okay. We, we, don't, we don't have to know all the answers. We have to know what happened in us. Because what happened in you is your story, your testimony. And can I tell you, that's way more powerful than some book knowledge that you learned in a Bible class. 
Because I know a lot of people went to Bible college and can't win nobody to Jesus, right? And so what we have to do is we have to be willing to tell our story to engage people with God. Proverbs 18, 21, it says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. And I think that a lot of the times that the death that comes isn't through words spoken, but is through silence. Think about it. Death can come to your marriage if there's silence. If you stop saying I love you, you stop communicating, that will then bring death in that relationship. And the same thing is true when it comes to evangelism or when it comes to reaching people for Jesus. Silence is deadly. And so we have to realize there's power, there's life and death in our words, but they're only powerful if we're willing to speak them. Your words matter. So what are you saying? Your words matter. What are you saying at work? What are you saying to the people that you love? What are you saying to your friends? For those of you still in junior high or high school or college, what are you saying to the people that you sit in class with and, you, and, and you're eating lunch with? You know, if I could do anything, I'd go back in time into my junior high and high school years, not because they were the best years of my life, they were actually really difficult, because there's no greater mission field in the world than the public high school. And so the words that we share with people, the stories that we tell people about who God is to us can change their eternity. We just have to be willing to speak them. We have to live our faith outside the walls of the church. I get convicted sometimes because I'm really willing to accept the salvation he provided for me on the cross. But it's a lot harder to live my life according to the example that he set. And so this message, this series, is that we need to live our life according to the example that he gave us. We need to see people stop and we need to speak to them. Now there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. There's a lot of ways that we can speak to people. So our heart, our goal, is to set you up for success. Our job as pastors is not to do the ministry, but is to equip you to do the ministry. So we have some tools for you. So before you leave today, we've got some tools. The first tool that we've got is we've got some invite cards. Everyone say, ooh. Okay, thank you. We've got some invite cards. These are really simple. But what this is, is this is a tool. This is a laser-focused tool that you can take in your hand, and if your elbow works, whoosh, right? Then you can invite someone to church. So here's what it says. It says on the front, death to life. So the series that we're going to preach starting on Easter Sunday and then for the next three weeks is going to be called death to life. We're going to talk about how with God, he can bring dead situations that have no hope into life. That at Easter, life is coming. So trust us, it's going to be amazing on Easter Sunday. So you can use this as a tool. And what you're doing is you're not only inviting them to church, but you're telling them what you believe that what you believe is that God can turn dead things into new things. You don't have to preach a whole sermon, you just have to tell them your experience. So you can give them a card on the back, look, it says the address, Harlan does such a good job, it says the address, says the service times, says the website, got a little map, you got everything you need. So this is a laser focus, we want to equip you with that, the ushers have these in their hands as you leave, you can get those from the ushers. Another thing, so if this is laser focus, this is a hand grenade, so, Laser focus, whoosh, then we're going to equip you with a hand grenade. So this sign, you take it out and you put your foot on it and you, whoosh, and you stick it in the ground in your front yard. Now what happens, people in your neighborhood, they get to drive by and they get to see, huh, maybe I'll go to that church for Easter. Or people in your community, they now know, oh, that person's a, a believer. And so maybe they can talk to you about some things. So you pick one of these up and if you're a homeowner, grab one, stick it in your front yard. If you live in an apartment, that's okay. Stick it on your little balcony. If you're a homeless dude, duct tape it on your back and walk around town. I, I don't know what you got to do, but get one of these and use it as a way to influence the people around you. So we've got laser focus. 
we've got a hand grenade, but this year we have a social media atom bomb that we want to make available to you to use on social media to spread your reach farther. Check it out. So the purpose of this video is not to show on a Sunday. The purpose of this video is for you to use it as a tool to invite somebody to speak what you believe in the power of the cross. So it's up right now uh, on Living Church's Facebook page. It's on the website. You can go there and you can click it and share it and let people know. And here's the amazing thing is that you're going to have people from your hometown where isn't Mansfield. You're going to have people that, that live so far away they would never come to Living Church, but they're going to see that, and the Holy Spirit is going to draw all men unto himself, not to a destination at a church, but into a place that they can get connected. So if your elbow works, you can invite somebody. If your knee works, you can push this down in your front yard. And if your finger works, you can click the shero. It's not called an arrow. I learned this this week. It's not an arrow. It's a shero on your Facebook. And you can share this video with people, and you can help them know that there's a place that they can find hope. Can we do that this week, Living Church? Yes. Okay. So we need to see people. We've got to stop just a minute, and then we just have to speak to them. And when we do that, life change can happen for people. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I hear you talk about Jesus. And I saw the big cross when I came in, but I'm not sure that I'm in a right relationship with him. You know, the Bible says that all of us have messed up. I have for sure. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin, it separated us from a holy God. But God being our father and our creator, it broke his heart. So he had to come up with a solution. And the solution was to send his son as the sacrifice in our place so that we wouldn't have to die for the sins that we committed, but that his son Jesus, who is blameless, would take on the sins of the world and through crucifixion be our sacrificial lamb. 
But you see, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he didn't stay dead. That when he was crucified, the Bible says that he went to hell and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he made it so that death has no sting. And that we can celebrate who God is, even in death. And that through Jesus Christ, we can be made right with God. That when we step into eternity, that when we, our soul, leaves this earthly tent called our body, that we can spend eternity with God, not eternity separated from Him. The Bible says that you don't, it doesn't say you have to live a perfect life. It doesn't say that you have to do everything right. It says that you have to love God and you have to ask for forgiveness of your sins. And our hope is that you'll keep attending Living Church and keep coming and will help you start making better decisions. But that no matter where you are, no matter how messed up you think things are, if you would say, man, there's no way God could forgive me, I promise he will. So this morning, if you're far from God and you want to be made right, you can. Living Church, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads. And if that's you in this place and you would say, you know what, I feel something in my, in my heart pulling me this morning. That's not my words. That's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's drawing you unto himself. So if you want to accept Jesus into your heart and not wait anymore, today can be your day. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand and look up at me. We had a number of people make this decision in the first service, and I just ask that you would join them and say, God, today's my day. I want to be free, and I want to be saved through the power of Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, come on, don't wait. Today's your day. Two, raise it up. Three, if that's you, raise your hand. Say, today's my day. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm going to give you a minute. If the Lord's pulling on you, don't wait. Yep, I see this hand. Yep, I see this hand right here. Anybody else want to join this one? Say, today's my day. I don't want to wait. I believe that there might be some people in the room that uh, are on the edge. So we're going to pray with this one. And if that's you, and you would say, you know what, I, uh, I need to pray this prayer. I want you to pray it with me. And God sees your heart. Just repeat after me. Say, dear God, forgive me my sins and come into my heart. God, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I know you love me, even though I've done bad things. God, help me to make the decisions I need to make. I love you, Lord. In your name, amen.